I have two things to talk about before I start the sermon, so can we pause the timer? Please? Okay. Um, First, the Spirit of God is thrumming in this place. Thrumming. Do you know that word, thrumming? It's sort of a musical word. It's sort of an undercurrent of vibration. It's happening, kind of like when we were... In transitioning between songs, the worship team was transitioning between songs, and and Ashley Strait hit a key on her keyboard that was just thrumming. While uh, Mike was introducing that next song, there's a thrum. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? And it was it was really evident yesterday. And I wanted to take a minute to celebrate. I won't even start to try to name people or even groups of people who functioned this week as the body of Christ. Uh, Maybe your function was to put together a tray of sausage and peppers, which were delicious, by the way, (laughs) or a potato salad, or uh, you were here uh, Friday afternoon making sure all the chairs were set and all the armchairs we're right up front, and uh, the tables and the chairs in the gymnasium were set and dressed, and the, and the bathrooms were ready, and the bulletin was ready, and all of the details. Maybe you were here welcoming people, help them find a place to park, or directing them where they needed to find something in the building. I just wanted to take a second to celebrate Harmony Church, Harmony Baptist Church, Harmony Ministries, you're standing tall this week. Standing tall. And I know that this is not a church word, but we're proud of our family. We're proud of how uh, when there's a need, people rise. And everyone does what they can. Everybody um, sees the people who are up front and you see what the upfront people are doing, but we don't always remember uh, the ten times as many people who are not upfront, who are doing what they can do so that the body life happens wonderfully, wonderfully. Okay, that was the first thing. The second thing is I have a I have a PS to my testimony from last week. Because a couple of you were asking, hey, what was it that you were planning in your high school years that you, God took away from you? I'm not, I'm not going to go into real specific details, but it was military service. And God took it away from me. But the reason I mentioned that to you is because what I didn't tell you was eight years later, God gave it back to me. He gave it back to me. And I wanted to say this to you. When, when you and I are, are going to God asking for his blessing, it's okay to say, God, these are my plans, would you bless them? But it's better. It's better if you would say, hey, God, would you bless me with your plan? So much better if, if you would let God bless you with his plan. And not just ask him to bless your plan. Okay, here I stand. Uh, I stole this. I did, I stole it from Martin Luther. The old one, not the new one. 
They're both dead, but the, the, the old one. Yeah, that was awful. I am so sorry. That was, that was horrible. Martin Luther, the reformer, the uh, Catholic priest and seminary professor who saw some things that were wrong in his church as he, as he dug into the scripture and God began to teach him from, from the word of God how faith in God works and how a relationship with God works. He began to see that some things in his practice and some things in the practice of his greater faith community didn't line up with the scripture. And so he tried to work within the system to bring about some corrective change. And it didn't go well for him, and he was brought up on charges, ecclesiastical charges. He was brought before the religious authorities to answer for his wrong thinking. And he was given an opportunity to recant from his rogue statements. And what he said was, here I stand, I can do no other. That's kind of an inspirational moment in a person's life. When you draw your line in the sand and say, this is where I stand. So I want to share with you this morning, I'm going to take my swing at the core values that we've been talking about. Pastor Tim preached a great message over the summer months on uh, upward, inward, outward, and Pastor John uh, gave his uh, um, elaboration on that. And we were talking in a staff meeting um, a month and a half ago. And uh, I said something carelessly, kind of like I just did. And uh, somebody said, hey, you should say that. And so t- today I am. Today I'm saying that thing. And some other things, too. Uh, Upward. uh, uh, um, Upward is God-word. But uh, in your your notes, uh, I put a couple of blanks in there. For me, thinking through this, what does upward look like for me? For me, uh, and I want to challenge you to wrestle with this for you. What does it look like for you? I'm going to share with you an example of what some core value statements that I have uh, come to understand. I've, I've looked at how I've chosen to live my life, and I realize that these are the ways that I'm living consistently. They must, there must be some reason why I'm living my life in this way, and maybe those things would, would become the core values of my life. And Um, I will just say that I've talked this over with Kelly, and we agree. These are some core values that we as a family uh, think are important, and they're they're foundational to the way that we choose what we do and don't do, and and, uh, what we say and what we don't say, and where we go and where we don't go, and and, uh, who we go with and who we don't go with. So um, upward for me, Godward, is... Me crying out to God. Me crying out to God. Me, uh, sometimes that's 
quiet. Sometimes it's private. Sometimes it's me driving someplace in the car and I turn the radio off and I can't completely lose myself in, in prayer because there are other cars that are trusting me to stay in my lane. But I have that undistracted time where I can talk to God and nobody else is in the car eavesdropping. And I can, I can be most honest with God when I know that it's only Him listening. That's me crying out to God. And then inward is me-word or us-word, and uh, that's God pouring back into me. And sometimes there's an overlap between me crying out to God and God pouring into me. I don't think, I don't think very often God just ignores me. I'm sure that God never ignores me, though there are times when he might respond to me with his silence. But even God's silence is purposeful. It's never just disinterest or a lack of love. Why I wanted to circle back and finish that piece of my testimony is to tell you God loves me and God loves you and whatever he does in your life is is motivated by his crazy love somebody wrote a book called crazy love right it's crazy to think about how one-sided that love is even While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Inward is God pouring into me. And then outward, or you word, or them word, is God reaching through me to others. God wants to reach the world, but he has chosen the foolishness of preaching as his method. Go figure. Because God could do anything. He could do it any way he chose to do it. But he says, I've chosen this foolishness that people think, you're crazy, standing up talking in front of people. First of all, nobody likes to do that anyway. Why would you stand up and talk in front of people about things they don't want to hear? Nobody's going to pay you for that. God is reaching through me and through you to others. I was talking with someone yesterday on the way back from the cemetery, and um, just what had been a stranger just moments before, and somehow the conversation, um, I don't know if that man is here this morning because I invited him. I don't, I don't know how, but he just started sharing with me some things that um, uh, were kind of personal. And um, I was trying to listen politely and not, not critically. You know how you can listen critically? I was trying not to listen critically, and I was really resisting, because he knew I was a preacher, and I was really resisting the chance to thunder at him. And instead I said, just seems like 
you could use some refreshment in your life. And if you came to Harmony Baptist Church at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, you'd get some. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, don't forget about prayer meeting tonight. Six o'clock. You'll get refreshed again. So these are my core values that, that flow out of that flow out of the core values that are on the front of our bulletin and the and uh, these core values upward, inward, outward. And I've I've tried to I've tried to establish four just four. There could be more, and this is probably a list. This is probably things that. If you continue to think about these things and if you continue to talk about them with your spouse and if you continue to uh, examine your life to see if what you say your core values really are your core values because you'll know pretty quickly if they are or if they aren't because they govern the choices that you make in your life. So this is my first core value and it might seem kind of obvious to you and it probably should be. My first core value is God comes first. God gets first claim on these areas of my life, really every area of my life, but these are preachers, these are preachers' delights because they're alliterated. T, T, and T. God gets first claim on my time, which is really his time anyway. Uh, He has the first claim on my time. So uh, God gets daily time from me. I, I can or I should be giving him daily time. <clears throat> God comes first because, uh, uh, was it a year ago or longer when Pastor John preached through the Ten Commandments from bottom to top? I remember, see, I listened to the podcast. Maybe, maybe you should go back and review these things on the podcast. It's up there for you to find. God spoke all these words, Exodus 20, verse 1 says, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. God comes first. God comes first in my life. He should. Do I live that way? Uh, uh, Rich Mullins wrote a chorus Uh, Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your way, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. God has first claim on my time. Not only daily time, but weekly time. Uh, what would a tithe of your time look like? Let's say, uh, well, do you, do you tithe off the gross or do you tithe off the net? Okay. <laughs> you tithe off the gross, 2.4 hours a day. I should give 2.4 hours a day to God, including uh, a tenth of my sleeping time. Or if you take your net, let's say 16 hours a day, that's... That brings it down to just over an hour and a half, just over 90 minutes a day. Could you give 90 minutes a day to focusing on God, that God word, and listening back? God word, 
uh, upward, inward. Could you give 90 minutes a day? 90 minutes, that's a lot. I've read some biographies of some great Christian men and women in history who uh, I remember David Brainerd, missionary to uh, Native Americans here in North America. Uh, he wrote in his journal, I've, uh, he, he got up every morning and spent three hours in prayer. <sighs> I wonder uh, if he ever slept at all. And uh, one entry in his journal said, I have an especially busy day today. I'm going to have to get up extra early and pray extra long because I'm going to need God's extra strength to get through this extra busy day. One of the ways this core value works its way out in me and my life is uh, I'm, I'm making it a priority, and I have my entire life probably. I've made it a priority. Uh, on Sunday morning, I'm in church. Uh, there have been a few times over the years that I haven't been in church. Uh, other things have uh, forced me out of that habit. Uh, but as a rule, if it's Sunday morning, I'm in church someplace. If we're traveling, uh, we try to plan our traveling around being in church. If we're visiting family or friends, we try to plan our trip to be able to be in their church with them. This summer, I was in Moody Church in Chicago. And uh, that was pretty great. I'd never been there. It's, it's one of the historic uh, churches in North American evangelical Christianity. That was a great... They're without a pastor right now. Pray for Moody Church. They need a pastor. They've had some of the finest uh, preachers in American Christian history as their pastor. They need a new one. I'm not in church on Sunday because I'm feeling legalistically requirement. I've got, to do, I've got to punch the clock. I've got to be there or God's going to punish me. No. If I miss church, I've missed something. I feel somehow uh, I'm not going to have enough for the week. I'm one of those guys that stretches, stretches the gas in his gas tank. Right? I'm, I'm, I love that. You've got five miles to empty. Kelly and I are different that way. Uh, if, she's, if she's got 150 miles to empty, it's time to get gas. But I like to, I like to play that game. I, can, I got five miles. I've, I, I have, I've run out of gas. I have, yeah, and that's why I don't gamble. I am not a good gambler. Uh, a few months ago, I mentioned uh, you got to add fuel. You got to keep adding fuel to your fire. You remember that? It was the same. It was the same day that I said, "Really?" But you all remembered that. <laughs> you got to keep adding fuel. And if you're not in church, you're missing a great fueling opportunity. So uh, that's one of my core values, and I commend it to you. Then there's also special times. There's daily time, there's weekly time, and then there's special times. And they come up when they come up. And uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to say, I've got, enough, I've got a chance now uh, to exercise my core value. Here's an opportunity, 
and I'm going to take it. It might be a weekend retreat. Kelly and I are signed up for a couple's retreat in February. Uh, We'll tell you more about it later on if anybody might be interested in uh, going to Montrose Bible Conference with us for that retreat. It was great last year. We're going to go back again. Those are special times, and uh, you need those extra times, those special times for um, just just when you need something, a, a, a re-energate. We, we take the car in for, a, for an oil change. We take the car in for a tune-up, whatever. Sometimes you need that spiritually, too. My second uh, uh, point on this little outline is God gets first claim on my treasure. And we're going to move through this quick because I know everybody loves to talk about giving. But I, I want to I share a couple of stories. Uh, God gets the first claim on my treasure. It's his tithe. Uh, regular, systematic, in, intentional plan giving um, and occasional special giving as the Holy Spirit directs and provides. I got stories about both of those things I'm going to tell you quickly. Back in 1994, when I was in seminary in Philadelphia, we came on a, on a weekend field trip to New York City. And uh, we stayed in the dormitories at Columbia University. And uh, we took, on Sunday morning, we visited two churches, one in Harlem and uh, one in uh, downtown Manhattan, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, the Episcopal Cathedral. Wow, two very dramatically different experiences in the same day. But I will never forget being at the church in Harlem on Sunday morning. When the time came for the offering, uh, the ushers did not come forward. The people did. The, there was, it was offering time, and some people came down, and they stood at the front by the offering table, and music started to play, and people stood up in the pews, and they made their way to the center aisle, and they processed down the aisle to bring their gift to the altar. And they're singing, the windows of heaven are open, and they're dancing and clapping. The blessings are flowing tonight, and there's joy, joy, joy in my heart, since Jesus made everything right. And we're going, and I could not stay in my seat, and I could not stand still. It was so praiseful that uh, we jumped to our feet and we made our way down with everybody else. We kind of stood out. (laughs) But we made our way to the front and we put our offering in the offering plates like everybody else did. And I don't think I'll ever give an offering the same way again. Because that totally transformed my understanding about why I give. It's not because the Lord needs my money. He had it before he gave it to me. He didn't have to give it to me. But I get to give some of it at least back to him as part of my worship. And when I got that, it completely changed how I think about giving. Now here's another story. This is about the occasional special giving. I was a brand new youth pastor, my first full-time ministry out of college. Uh, And uh, if you know anything at all about... Uh, starting out in full-time ministry, you know, um, Pastor Tim, you don't get paid a whole lot. And uh, Kelly wasn't working. We had moved to a new community, and she hadn't found a job yet. And we had 
uh, a, little, a little one, a toddler, so she wasn't uh, able to work full-time. And so we were, we were working. Oh, oh, she wasn't able to work full-time for money outside the home. Did I say that better? <laughs> Second effort. I started to go down, but before my knee hit the ground, I made that lunge. <laughs> On Mondays, the senior pastor was off, but I was in the office on Mondays. And I went into the office this one Monday after church on Sunday, and I sat down at my desk, and I pulled open the desk drawer to pull out a pen, and I found a $50 bill laying right there where I couldn't miss it. I, I, I was shocked. Somebody, I, I quickly figured out, somebody had come in to the office after church, on Sunday and had put that there for me. It was an anonymous gift, and it was a big deal, $50 then, and still is today. $50 is a big deal. But this was a long time ago. $50 was a very big deal. And I called Kelly at home, and I told her about it, and uh, we were excited, and I couldn't wait to get home so that we could figure out how we were going to spend this $50. And then as the day went on, the phone rang at the church, and I answered it. I was the only one in the building, so I answered it, and it was somebody in need. And uh, they had been broken down um, at a truck stop uh, in the Delaware Water, Delaware Water Gap on the other side of the river from New Jersey. I had to cross over to Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I just knew that that $50 was not for me. And so I got in the car, and I drove over, and I met him, and I said, okay, um, this $50 is for you. And uh, he, he took it gladly with a promise to repay. And uh, I said, well, that's not necessary because it didn't come from me. And that's when I figured out what a joy it is to be the middleman when God wants to bless somebody and he chooses you to be the hand. He puts it in your hand, but it's not for you. It's for somebody else. The next day, I'm not making this up. I promise this is absolutely true. The next day, I didn't tell anybody about the $50 except Kelly. I told nobody. I'm telling you now. I've told other people since. But nobody. Uh, the next day, I came into the office, and I opened up the drawer, and there was another $50 bill. And that one was for us. Let me tell you, I couldn't wait to get to work the next day. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. That's a very good question. The, the phone didn't ring. I can, the magic was gone. I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know where either one of those $50 bills came from. I don't know whose hand put it there. I do know where it came from. I just don't know whose hand put it there. But I learned that day that sometimes God will bless others through you, and you get the blessing too. It's just not the blessing you thought you were getting. But it's better. It really is. And I have discovered that over the years, that when God gives you the opportunity to bless somebody and he chooses you to be his courier, it's awesome. 
And uh, a lot of you are nodding because you know how that feels. Now, the last one, and then I'm going to move faster. God comes first. He gets first claim on my talents. Whatever it is that you have to do. Whatever it is that you can give. Uh, Not very many people, statistics say, not very many people like to stand up and talk in front of people. Um, In fact, the statistics says you'd rather die than stand up in front of people. And so uh, at a funeral, you'd rather be the person they're talking about than the person who's talking. So God doesn't choose everybody to stand up and talk in front of a big crowd of people. But like we talked about uh, last week, you can tell your story to one person. But um, you have other things. Uh, You might really like mowing grass. I happen to really love mowing grass. I love when it's time to mow my lawn. I just love it. I always have. And... um, That's something you could do for the Lord, something I could do for the Lord. Maybe you really love to cook and bake, and we had the opportunity. We we saw those talents on display yesterday. And uh, there's some stuff in the back today, probably left over from that exclusive breakfast this morning. (laughs) Whatever God has gifted or equipped you to do, whether it's your vocation, what you do for income, or whether it's your avocation, it's a hobby or a hobbies, uh, you can offer that ability in service to God as the opportunities arise and as he directs. If you like to work with wood, I imagine that there are some young people uh, who would love to have you bring them to your workshop and show them what you do. Somebody uh, helped me build a manger uh, for Kelly as a gift one Christmas. And... It hasn't lasted. It didn't pass the test of time. But for, for quite a while, uh, Kelly used that in our Christmas decorating, a little manger that I had made with the help of an experienced wood craftsman. He used his gift to help me. You have something that you can do. And uh, if you choose, there's going to be a chance for you to use it for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Whatever you do, you can do it as unto the Lord and serve him with it. Now, I want to move on to my second core value. And like I said, it's going to get faster from here. My countdown clock is working. My family is my first ministry opportunity and responsibility. As soon as God gave me a family, that became my first priority after God. I saw what this looked like in the family I grew up in. I shared some of that with you last week. And Kelly is in agreement. Uh, We have a very high priority on our family. It was one of the things that was very difficult for us when we went to Maine. And uh, I think God asked a lot of us when we went to Maine, knowing that we were not going to see our family nearly as often. 
and uh, the biggest reason why I felt it was time to come back because of our commitment to our family. And uh, it doesn't just end when your children move out of the house either. Uh, My responsibility to my family has continued in a different way. I have a different role now in my family, but I still have a responsibility to minister to my family. Listen to what God said to his people in Deuteronomy 6. Now, reading from verse 1, This is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you were going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the command. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Parents are supposed to be teaching their children. Every moment, teaching our children, in particular, teaching our children who God is and what he's about. That's a core value that I have taken seriously. And even now, even now, my kids are grown and we have grandchildren, there are still times when I am pastoring my family. Some of you have been praying about a particular situation uh, that Kelly and I are trying to pastor our family through. Listen to this uh, account from the life of Job. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, uh, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Pretty impressive. Listen to his practice. Verse 4. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Job continued to to act as pastor and priest for his family uh, just in case my kids have Offended God in some way, God, accept this sacrifice. Accept my prayer of sacrifice for my children in case they have displeased you in any way. Job was pastoring his family, functioning as teacher 
functioning as we all must as a soul winner in evangelism, providing that care and counseling. I used to talk to my father about every major decision I made in my life. I didn't always take his advice, but I always sought it. Even after Kelly and I were married and grown and raising our children, as long as I had access to my father, I consulted him about every big thing that was going on in my life. I wanted to hear what he thought. If you're a faithful husband, a faithful father, a faithful wife, a faithful mother, your pastoral role to your family will never expire. Priesthood. God says we're all to be priests and uh, priests to our own family. Priest is one who intercedes, who goes before God on behalf of the people he's interceding for. And if you are a parent, you are always going to be interceding before God on behalf of your children. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Core value number three, I'm a part of God's kingdom family. We saw this displayed yesterday. I belong to the household of faith. Every chance I get, I will encourage other members of God's family. I take that responsibility very seriously. Uh, There are some people who have the gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement. I'm not one of them, but I'm trying to do the work of an encourager. Uh, Every chance I get, I try to speak a word of encouragement and love. Uh, And uh, I take very seriously the 59 one another statements that are found in the New Testament concerning God's people and how we interact with one another. 59 different verses that say, here's how you treat one another. We've got to find a way to put that, a link to that list somewhere where people could get it. Uh, I've just pulled out a few of them. Love one another, that's repeated the most often. Love one another. Encourage one another, that comes second. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 59 different ways in which you and I are supposed to be in relation with each other. In every sense, in every case, building up the whole body, as Pastor John has talked about, the oikodomeos, building up the household of faith so that everybody reaches maturity, so that everybody grows up, so that everybody uh, is fully experiencing the joy of what it means to be a part of God's family. Andy Stanley says... The early church was fully, fully occupied with one anothering one another. I don't know that you can make that into a verb, but he did, so I guess you can. This week at Harmony, and especially yesterday, it's just a great example of what one anothering looks like. One another, one another. Finally, my last core value, I am a missionary. I grew up in a missionary uh, supporting and sending church. I mentioned that last week. We had an eight-day missions conference every year, Sunday to Sunday and every night in between. It was fantastic. Uh, we, loved, we loved when the missionaries came. Uh, I loved to listen to the missionary stories. Don Bond from Peru. I still remember his name and where he served the Lord because he had an anaconda snakeskin that was, that was all rolled up. And 
uh, and he would stand in the back of the church between the last two pews and put it on the floor and roll it forward and it went all the way to the offering table. I was a little boy that made an impression on me. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to take a missions trip. I went to the Dominican Republic. I got on, on the ground in the Dominican Republic, and I looked around, and I said proudly to myself, I am really a missionary. But I was wrong. I had already been a missionary and still am a missionary, It's not about where you're a missionary to. It's about who you're a missionary for. Mark, uh, Matthew 5 says, uh, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, so everyone can see it, it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I am a missionary. Last Sunday afternoon, um, I broke the Sabbath. I did. I was out working in the yard on the day of rest. Probably shouldn't have been, but there I was. I was out, and uh, one of our neighbors walked past. She was walking her two dogs, and I was uh, spreading some mulch over some grass seed that we had just put down, and she um, wanted to know what I was doing. I thought it was obvious, but she wanted to know what I was doing. (laughs) So she walked over, and we started talking. And uh, after we had talked for a little while, um, we weren't talking about yard work anymore. We were talking about other things. She was talking about her career, and she knew that I was a teacher at Harmony Christian School. I don't know how she knew that, but she did. And um, we were talking, and then I, I realized, oh, she gave me the opportunity. She brought this up. She asked me the question. Remember what I said? You've got you to gotta live in such a way people will ask you the question. Well, she did. She asked me the question. So I told her um, what I was doing at Harmony Christian School and how much I loved uh, Harmony Baptist Church. And I asked her, did she have a church home? And she didn't. And I said, well, uh, we'd love to have you come and visit. Maybe she will. Maybe she will. I got to be a missionary to my neighbor. Just the beginning I am compelled by God's love and by God's spirit to be a faithful witness to this world. I am a missionary, whether I realize it or not. I am a witness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Uh, This week, I got to be a missionary in Walden and in the town of Wallkill. That's so cool. I don't have to go to the Dominican Republic or deepest, darkest Africa or even downtown Newburgh to be a missionary. I am a missionary. Am I being a faithful missionary? is really the question. And that's one of my core values. So because of all these things that I've been talking to you about, these are the core values that I've given to you as an example of what a personal statement of core values might look like. 
These are the things that shape my, my thoughts and my choices and my actions. And so how I live matters every single day because these are my core values. Sometimes I don't uh, live them like I say I do or say I should. I know that. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect in any of these things. I don't know how, how many times I haven't talked to that neighbor. Every other time. I don't know how many times I haven't talked to the guy driving the hearse. I don't know how many other times I haven't talked to the person who's ringing up my groceries or standing behind me in the grocery checkout line. Many, many, many times I haven't done what I say I want to do or know I should do. But these are my core values, and now that I've been intentional in thinking about them, I can be more intentional in living my life according to them. And I encourage you to work on your own statement of core values. Use those five statements on the front of the bulletin. Use those three key words, upward, inward, outward. See how they interrelate. See how they relate. And see if you can't develop your very own statement of core values. And then run it by your wife, men. Run it by your husbands, ladies. And see if you have correctly identified what the values you're living by are. Make it a family project. Like I challenged you last week to share your testimony with the members of your family. Work on your core values statement in your marriage and see if you are lined up. It'll make your marriage stronger if you are. Let's pray together. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, that we might spend these Uh, moments, I know there were a lot of them, Lord, these moments together this morning. I pray that there has been refreshment for our souls as we've been in this place. I pray that something that I have said this morning, some word of scripture that we've read, uh, will be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters who are here looking for something of help for the week to come. I pray that you'll bring many of us back this evening to commit some time in concentrated prayer over the needs of our church and and, uh, our upcoming ministries. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the launching of our Awana program this week and the ladies' Bible study that's beginning and the other things that are ongoing. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we will continue to look deeply into what we really value as individuals and as a body, and that what we value will be reflected in what you value in us. I ask your blessing over the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Hope to see you back tonight if you can.